Can we just talk about all the adult references in this movie? Like, in Toy Story? <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that the main characters are named Woody and Buzz, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> These are the inebriated accounts of movie favorites as you've never heard them before. Our guests watch movies and tell recap stories, blending casts, plots, emotional reactions, theories, quotes, and yes, alcohol. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the movie's stories. I'm Russ Fisher, and I'm going to tell you the story of Toy Story. And to understand the actual toy, not the actual toy of Toy Story, the actual story of Toy Story, these jerks got me drunk before we started. Um, scotch. Yes, scotchy, scotch, scotch. Oh, by the way, um, McCollin Highland Single Malt Scotch Whiskey Gold Double Cask. Thank you, Bobby Koch. It was a birthday present. It's delicious. Um, but the thing with Toy Story that it's really tough. It's like here here's a freaking tangent of a of a similarity. If you watch Scarface right now, the Al Pacino movie, or if you watch The Exorcist right now, yes, the horror movie. <laughs> Two movies I be... didn't think we were going to mention here. Exactly, <laughs> right? Like I saw The Exorcist for the first time when I was like twenty three. And I'm just like, Okay. I mean I get it. Cool. Oh, Scarface. All right, sure. And then you talk to people who were around when they saw it when it first came out, and you never realize that Scarface, there's a, there's a scene where a dude is handcuffed to a shower rail and a guy chainsaws his arm off. Literally nothing that violent has ever been filmed before. Clearly it was not real, but that was literally never anything like that was done in a movie before. And The Exorcist literally nothing that horrifying has ever been put on film before and people that like see toy story for the first time now or when they were even a little bit younger i mean i'm 39 i think we said it came out in like 95 in which case i was 12 13 already and so i mean like i was technically a teenager so like but there were no full cg movies ever before Toy Story. It was literally the first. And I remember seeing this in theaters. And I I am not super exaggerating when I think my jaw was on the floor the entire movie. Well, exaggerating about my jaw literally being on the floor. But my mouth was hanging open the entire movie because it was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. Because you grow up watching cartoons. And then your cartoons start to get a little cool looking. And then your cartoons are weird with that one cool looking aspect, like that one character is CG for some reason. And it starts to get a little bit more and a little bit more like even the Disney movies, like the clouds and Hercules were like moving and shifting. And the uh, the Cave of Wonders in Aladdin was just like, whoa, that's so different. But we got an entire movie that took like four years to make, by the way, in Toy Story, this entire thing. And... It was like, it was mind blowing. Like it, it's, 
like seeing the matrix like i'm oh, i'm stuck with stuff from like 20 years ago because i'm so much older than everyone is but like <laughs> i don't know what's like it's hard to come up with new stuff now because everything's been done already but like seeing it for the first time in a time where it was brand new is probably why i remember seeing it in the theater besides the fact the movie is fantastic in its own way story wise voice acting wise music directing anything name a name a wise and it was awesome in that sense but just like given how groundbreaking it was and awesome it was especially because again 12 13 i mean i'm still a big child now at 39 but picture that back when I was 13 and watching this cartoon that's the coolest looking thing ever and and it was just freaking darn awesome uh from the year 1996 through about 2003 or 4 I did not pay for a movie and I saw just about all of them that came out because either my brother me or my best friend worked at a movie theater at that time so I literally just got to see freaking everything and it was the greatest thing ever nothing Two things. Okay, nothing beats midnight movies where, you know, like 9, 30, 10 o'clock rolls around, you go to a diner, you eat some horribly greasy food, and then you go to the theater and you get – because technically, they're supposed to run the movies back when they came in on film and not digitally on a disc. You know, you're supposed to run the movie to make sure there's nothing wrong with the film itself. So what what's the harm in 20 of your closest friends being there to watch it also? <laughs> You know, so we would watch movies all the freaking time. So you're like, yeah, what movie you want to do? And I'm like, okay, these are the movies I could talk about. And I was nice and held the list to about like seven to ten. And then like a week and a half ago, Jeremy's just like, you're going to do Toy Story. And I'm like, I could do Toy Story. All right, cool. Let's do this. And it, and it does just so happen to be a movie I'm insanely tied to because, I mean, not only was it everything I just said, but like Pixar, man, like. Pixar, like that, that was what every, everyone knew Pixar because of that and what they are now. And it's just like, oh, Pixar movies coming out. I don't need to, I don't want to know it about it. I don't need to know about it. Opening day, let's go see it. Like, right. I literally well, both, yeah. It's interesting both. that you bring up the point about CGI and how it was like, you know, revolutionary and stuff. Cause like I hadn't even thought about that point because for me, I'm only 25. So for me, that's always what, yeah, that's everything. It looked like. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. So freaking cool. Like, that's just, well, back then they had Disney money, and they do now, but, you know, so that's what they did. You know, they could do whatever the hell they want, so they did. But, I mean, like, and Toy Story is, well, first of all, like, they did such a good job right away, well, with You Got a Friend and Me, you know. If anyone this day and age knows who Randy Newman is, it's because of Pixar, not because he actually had a band, like a rock band before all of this, you know, but same thing with like, you know, Danny Elfman was in a band, you know, but no, everyone just knows him as the Tim Burton composer. Um, don't listen to Oingo Boingo. They're not great. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, drink break. So... Man, I feel like, well, we have been talking for like an hour, and I was about to say, back to the beginning of the movie. Yeah, but they did such a great job right away, right, because I started with Randy Newman, then went to Oingo Boingo, and then it went out, you know, straight out the window. But You Got a Friend in Me was like such an amazing song for the moment, for the situation. It really was like literally perfect, because the way Andy was playing with Woody and that song put together, you bought 
right away that this was this kid's favorite toy, that this kid did this every day with Woody. And and if we if that toy was alive, he would be loving every second of what was going on. And then like two minutes later, like, oh wait, that toy is alive. And he loved every minute of what was going on. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they did such a good job right away of you know storytelling, even at that point, visually and musically, without having to say a word. And just, again, like, that's another thing that was so great about Toy Story and about Pixar in general. Even back then, when it could have been the shittiest story and the dumbest characters, and we would have sat there in awe of the animation in general, they put so much heart into that. Like, there's there's no BS about what that story is or anything like that. So, like, it was just, it's so freaking good. And then right away... You know, they find out that it's the birthday party. All the toys wake up, and you're just like a kid in a toy store, right? Like, you're just like, oh, that dinosaur's alive. That piggy bank is talking. Mr. Potato Head. Ooh, Slinky Dog. Like, it's just, it's <laughs> childlike wonderment, even from, I mean, screw it. Like, I had a 13-year-old at the time, and if I were to watch it right now, you know, it's just, it's so... They're just so good. Like Pixar is just so freaking good at what they do, and that's a thought that every kid has. Like, what are my toys doing while I'm away at school? What are my toys yep. doing while I'm at grandma's house? What are my toys doing? You know, and it, it Pixar kind of gave you that answer. They're they're they have their own little routines. It's imagination playing out for you. Yeah, right. there is absolutely no one, no one. And if you say you didn't, you're lying. After they saw Toy Story, that were that like was leaving the room. All right, I'm going away now. Then there's no one in your room; it's just your toys. I'm going away now. <laughs> Start to close the door. Fucking open real fast. <laughs> ah! You know, try and catch your toys moving. Even though, again, 13, I still tried it. You Andy's know. coming. Yeah, I am so sad. I never <laughs> got to go to Disney when that was a thing. In the Disney parks, the people dressed as the Toy Story characters. If you shouted, "Andy's coming," they used to have to drop to the floor. Except I'm guessing people were just dicks about it, so they had to stop yeah. doing it. <laughs> well, because Which... it used to be like a secret. Like, you, not everybody knew that that was a thing. But oh, then, then the internet happened, out. yeah. Yeah, then then the internet happened, people found out, and people, yeah, people started doing it just to be dicks. And yeah. I want to say cast members, like, actually got hurt. <laughs> Probably. I mean, in the, they're, besides, like, not even the people that are dressed like Woody or Jesse, who, sorry, I just went to two, didn't mean to, but it happened. Um, they're probably just wearing mostly normal clothes or just a padded version of it. Like, that dude dressed like Buzz, there's no way he's comfortable in that. Like, he's walking around with his arms stuck out, like, waddling around because he can't really move his legs or anything, and then has to fall to the floor. Like, that dude's definitely a turtle on his back. Like, there's no way Buzz gets up from all, with all that armor on, with all that protective gear, because, you know, if he's about to go into space, he needs to have that gear on. Because, yes, <laughs> that's really Buzz. I'm sorry. Help them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's just, that's a lot of work for everybody. And then using the the green, the little green to toy soldiers, which was beautiful because at this point, everything's so unique. There's one of everything. And then you, everyone has those silly toys that are 1000% mass produced pieces of crap plastic that, you know, you get 80,000 of for six ninety nine, and they come in a giant bucket like they did in the like that's literally what happened they peeled open the bucket and a bunch of army men popped out and everyone had those little green army men growing up mm -hmm. or, again assuming you were born 
not in the 2000s. You know, you definitely had those Green Army men growing up. So it was just so cool. And the fact that they, you know, because their legs were on, like, boards. So they had actually had to, like, hobble with the boards there. And, like, the show they put thought into these stupid little things. It was just so beautiful to watch. And how they have to sneak. Oh, yeah. The monkeys in a barrel. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I don't want to skip ahead. But, yes, the when Buzz falls out the window and they're like, we're running, we're out of monkeys. That's all that monkeys in the barrel. <laughs> like, yeah, they wish they would have a limited amount of monkeys because all they had is that one barrel. That makes sense. Um, but like, and how, when Andy's mom bursts open the door, they just freeze in their toy positions. They get stepped on and it's like, it's nothing. But the second they come back to life, that guy was hurt. You know, and then they were real soldiers. Like we don't leave a man behind. Just like, it was like it's 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 still to this day beyond me that they put so much thought into this movie where you had to feel like a thousand percent of the pressure of putting that movie out was just the animation and still like so much went into everything else and well clearly that makes me love pixar and i do love pixar um it's amazing how that those little jokes are are just as funny to us as adults as they were to children like they exactly just yeah, it, it's just so perfect. Yeah, they knew their target audience for sure. Oh, 1,000%, and it worked. Well, and can we just talk about all the adult references in this movie? Like, in Toy Story? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that the main characters are named Woody and Buzz, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, one of my favorite stupid jokes, it's like, it's back from Bugs Bunny, where... You know, Woody's a cowboy. He walks past an etch a sketch and he just goes, draw. And he just draws a freaking gun. And, you know, that's like Yosemite Sam telling Bugs Bunny to draw his gun. So he picks up it and he draws a gun. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's what would happen. And then he jokes like, oh, you got me. Fastest knobs in the West. <laughs> knobs, get it? Because he used knobs to use an etch a sketch. Like, uh, just everything about the humor was so perfect. And Tom Hanks just playing an astronaut in Apollo 11 is actually a fantastic freaking cowboy now. And all of a sudden you find out Jim Varney, Ernest himself, is voicing this little dog that's just like this happy go Ernest. He is Ernest in slinky dog form. <laughs> and like the wonderful naivety where Woody is trying to be like low-key, nonchalant, like just get everyone together. Just don't make a big deal about it. Don't make a big deal. Don't make a big deal. We got some <laughs> bad news. Bad news. I said, don't make a big deal. Just like right away. Like there's in that first few minutes of that movie, in most of this movie, there is not like a slump. <laughs> you know, anytime there's even a slow build in the story, there's something there for you to notice, something you're there for you to enjoy. You know, they have the, you know, they're talking about before they, before Woody tells everyone that there's, the birthday party today which who just throws a birthday party the next day like how did the how did andy not know about the birthday party or would he not hear them talk about it before just saying like <laughs> come on whole guys come on i was just saying how much you guys paid attention to story and you threw that one out the window <laughs> well now you just ruined the whole movie yeah, yeah. movies should now like we're just gonna <laughs> so uh nightmare before christmas you guys <laughs> let's move on <laughs> and then before they actually start talking, it was hilarious that they had a uh, like one of those little microphone guys where you put the cassette tape in, and cassette tapes were before CDs, you children. You know, same thing. 
Um, but he stands too close. And if you've ever put the microphone up to the speaker, it makes that awful buzzing set, that squeak squeal. Like they even do that where he makes them back up a little bit. And then he makes a joke and the Mr. Speak and spell actually types out ha 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 ha. <laughs> like the dumbest shit ever. And then they talk about having moving buddies. And Mr. Potato Head just starts like, do we have to hold hands? And he lifts his other hand in the air. Like <laughs> the dumbest shit ever. But that was brilliant, man. Good for you. Yes. Like, like w- without a doubt, there every single second there's a wonderful joke. So he tells him that there's a birthday party, and that's when he says, "Let's send the troops and all the green guys go downstairs." But they're watching the kids come into the birthday party. I don't even know if I was supposed to just like walk through this entire freaking movie, but that's what I'm doing because I can. Um, and I love that. First of all, when they're watching the kids come in, Mister Potato gets stuck in the back, and then he takes off his eyes and holds them up so we can see <laughs> what's going on, which is just again freaking brilliant. Um, and at one point they're watching all the toys come in, watching all the toys come in. Is there a dinosaur shaped box? Is there a dinosaur dinosaur shaped present? They're all in boxes, you idiot. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's right. They would all be in boxes. Cause your first, you're like, is there a dinosaur shaped present? (laughs) Rex, don't do that to me. You're making me look bad. And oh man, Wallace Shawn, we need to talk about how beautiful of a casting Wallace Shawn was as a neurotic dinosaur. Like, Wallace Shawn, if you don't know, if you've seen The Princess Bride, he's Vicini. Um, Crap, all of my movie knowledge is way too old for the people that I'm trying to say. If you haven't seen this, this is who that guy is. Stop rhyming. I mean it. Yes, Vicini. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody want a peanut? Yeah, he was the short, bald guy with the weird voice. I mean, that's Wallace Shawn. He played Rex? I, I didn't even know that. Yes. I just made that connection too. I thought I had all the voices down, but I just, nope. that nope. one just oh yeah, perfect, perfect. <laughs> and then you know they're you know Mr. You know Mr. Potato Head's using his eyes, and you know, is there are dinosaur shaped ones. And then oh look, there's a small box, and the kid turns, and it's this ridiculously long thing. And then they start freaking out so much you see the blinds moving from the outside, <laughs> like such a perfect freaking joke. And one of the many many things I still quote at one point. Um, someone knocks into Mr. Potato Head after everyone's freaking out and all of his pieces fall out. He puts them together in the wrong place and he's like, hey, look, I'm a Picasso. And Ham, the piggy bank goes, I don't get it. Because Picasso was the painter. <laughs> Just in case anyone listening doesn't know who Picasso is because it would also fit. He calls, you know, you uncultured swine. I literally <laughs> use that, you uncultured swine. Both the gif and just the quote for any time someone doesn't know whatever shit I'm talking about. <laughs> That's because, a perfect joke. <laughs> yeah. And then he looks, there's, he's like, what are you looking at, you hockey puck? And there's a hockey puck standing there. And he's like, hands, he just like kind of shrugs. And for people that don't understand that joke, that was a, that was a Don Rickles joke. Don Rickles was a comedian who isn't. Even when he was young, he was a grouchy old man. Like, that's just who he was. That was his joke. He was an insult comic before that was really a thing to do. And calling people a hockey puck was apparently an insult back then. You know, so saying, what are you looking at, your hockey puck, was a a nod to people that do who Don Rickles was. And it was hilarious because after he says it, they show he's talking to a hockey puck. Like, (laughs) yeah, you got me again, guys. Good. The puns in this movie are phenomenal. And I'm a sucker for all of them just because, like, it's funny. Like, it's it's so great being easily entertained. Like, I I feel bad for snobs. Like, give me a guy falling down in a movie because in real life if they get hurt, I feel bad. But, like, there's, 
I could never stay on top. It's the entertain. Like I feel bad for people that don't like puns because it's so easy and they're so stupidly hilarious that it has to suck to not laugh at them. Like to have to like earn a laugh is just shitty. So don't do that. Just go have fun. (laughs) So yeah. So buzz happens. (sighs) Freaking buzz. Okay. So is that, is that why you finished your drink? You knew Buzz was coming. I knew Buzz was no. If I knew Buzz was coming, I would have poured another one by then. This son of a bitch. <laughs> because, I mean, it really is just like a story of growth, you know, of growing older, but still keeping that past as part of you. Where he grows up, Andy grows up a bit, goes from cowboys to spacemen. And he gets the toy, smacks Woody off the bed, and, you know, Buzz takes his place up there. And then, like, some of the most iconic jokes ever, you know. (laughs) The planet, the terrain seems unstable, and there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello! (laughs) Like, that, that awesome stuff. And it's all of this stuff, like, right away where you're just like, is this guy an idiot? And then, like, Woody points out, you don't realize you're a toy. And we're like, oh, shit, that's what's going on. Because <laughs> they're like, you know, where are you from? And he starts listing, you know, space quadrant, you know, sector gamma of the gamma quadrant. Oh, man, how do I not remember? Because of the five glasses of whiskey, that's why. Um, <laughs> I think it's only four. Might as well go to five now. Um, but, like, you know, where were you? Oh, I was made in Taiwan. I was made by Mattel. Well, actually, I was made by a <laughs> Korean company bought and purchased by Mattel and made in their factory. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, cool. All right. You know, and, and it's just like, yeah, didn't expect that coming. No, yeah, awesome. And and it's just so funny. Like, you completely, like, they're ooing and eyeing over Buzz and all his new fancy stuff to the point where, like, yeah, why don't you have a laser, Woody? And in my head, I'm just like, He's a cowboy. Why would he have a laser? <laughs> but Woody just feels so attacked by this guy's presence where he's just like, that's a light bulb. That's not a real laser. And right, he's been like, cowboy. And then, you know, <laughs> the, the voice thing where they press his buttons and he's, you know, this is a secret mission in uncharted space. And it's like, you're, yeah, voice, Woody has a voice box. Like, hey, it sounds like a wreck, like a car drove over it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm a 30-year-old toy with a pull string. That dude's got a stereo inside of him. Nope. He's just angry and attacked, so he just starts attacking back. And, that, like, in your first, like, in your rational brain, you're like, don't do that, man. You're just going to make it worse. But in your heart, you're like, yeah, no, you're just a piece of toy like the rest of us. You back the hell down. And it's just, like, it's funny. Like, you don't realize it at the time, but you're like, shit, I relate to a toy. Hmm. And then you're like, is that bad? Am I not supposed to do that? And then you get older and you're like, no, this is the point. They did this really well. Like, I get it. And then the brilliance of, you know, he gets the wings and he says they're uh, uh, carillium bicarbonate alloy. And then you're like, oh, that's fancy sounding. And then you Google it. That's plastic. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just like, you got me again, Pixar. Yep. You go. Um, and then he does, you know, you can't fly, I can't fly. And then he just like Rube Goldberg's his way into landing back where he, <laughs> and you're just like, can I, can I make a toy? Do you, 
everyone made a toy do that. Don't lie to me again. <laughs> everyone <laughs> tried. It failed miserably, but you tried. Or at least, like, tied a, a toy to a fan and turned the fan on so it spun around. Like, I definitely did that with a couple of G.I. Joes. So I'm clearly not going <laughs> to lie. Why am I going to lie in the first place? Especially, remember when I said I was going to save this for all the other shows we do together? Oh, I need a new bottle. <laughs> Might make it through Toy Story 2. I may. I was about to say I may have to slow down, but I don't know if that's happening either, <laughs> drink wise or voice wise. Because God, am I talking fast? <sighs> but like right away, it turns into a very weird relationship that you don't understand. Like it's literally just like older brother with a new baby in the house, and then oh my God, one of I. <sighs> so he gets Buzz. The first night happens where he's about to go to bed. And for some reason, apparently he could only have one toy in bed. So he's looking at the two of them and he puts Woody in the toy chest. And it's the next morning, Woody opens the toy chest and he's like, oh, I'm out of here. Wait, has anyone seen my hat and a little squeaky shark, which I had at the time. <laughs> and he has the hat on. He's like, look, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> to this day, I die when that happens. Like, <laughs> so good. When you, again, something just because I'm old, when you were first able to get sound bites on your computer and save them as like wave files, it was the coolest thing in the world to make all of your computer notifications sound waves. Like your computer turns on, it doesn't just make that bong sound. You, you, you had a thing to play like, and anytime, oh my God, AOL, America Online with your with your buddy window to see who signs on anytime anyone signed on i'm look i'm woody howdy 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 <laughs> when when aol first came well aol first came out didn't have a buddy window you had to check every single three seconds that you wanted to see if one of your friends signed on because i'm older than all of you um hey, but, we're, we're not too old for aol yeah but like anytime then once that came out you were allowed to assign a sound to it anytime someone came on look i'm woody howdy 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 and it didn't matter how many people, like, I get home earlier from school from everyone else, which means when I signed on, 18 people signed on in 30 seconds after that. I don't care. I listened to that 30 freaking times every single time it happened because it made me laugh every single time. I had Dr. Evil said, you've got freaking mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are we allowed to, can I, like, straight up curse on this? Is yeah. That... Yeah. Okay. But... <laughs> As we got a little older, there was a movie called Eurotrip, which if you haven't seen, you should absolutely go see. I get that it came out in like the early 2000s, but it's still freaking hilarious. But he turns his computer on and it just goes, mail, motherfucker. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yes, every time I got an email on AOL, mail, motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. How's that for a fucking tangent? Um <laughs> Back to Toy Story. So, yes, Buzz still thinks he's an actual space ranger. And he realizes he thinks his ship is broken, which even though he's like lifting the wing, it's a piece of cardboard. And, you know, he needs like unilateral, unilateral bonding strip, <laughs> you know, one-sided tape. Mr. Lightyear needs more tape. Like, yes, that what he said is literally just one-sided tape. Yeah, that's what he needs you know and he's on uh one of the robots is flipped upside down that has like a track for legs and he's using it as a treadmill like there's just so much brilliant stuff in every single 
aspect of what's going on. And then they go to, oh man, maybe getting drunk was a terrible idea when I'm trying to remember, like remembering the order of operations is not a great idea. A couple of glasses of scotch in. Um, mm. So when they go to uh, pizza, planet. Planet. yeah. And they're in the car and they stop at the gas station and they start fighting and oh no because he knocks him out of the window first that's right um and i love the you know woody is so distraught that he turns to a magic eight ball where he's like will andy pick me will andy pick me you know signs point to no where it does not seem likely and it's just like why is that poor magic eight ball not to get to be sentient like why can't he just like answer uh but yeah and then he, he he slams it down and rolls behind the thing behind the desk and he's like, "I'm gonna murder Buzz Lightyear." Yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna do. And then again, like the complete string of idiocy that happens was where he meant to knock him behind the desk. He ends up getting knocked out the window. Um. And and that's where the joke comes in of the bar- the monkeys in a barrel where they're you know. He Andy ends up taking Woody to Pizza Planet because he couldn't find Buzz because he was knocked out the window. And they're trying all these different things to get him out. And they start lowering a thing of monkeys in a barrel where if you don't know, they're little plastic monkeys that their arms are hooked so you could interlink them and make like a chain. And I think there was a game where you had to like use the ch- the, the arms to pick up the monkeys that were on the, on the ground or something. But I was young when those were a thing, and I just used them to build chains and throw at each other. You know, me and my brother throw them at each other. Um, and they're just like, yeah, we're, at, we're almost at the bottom of the barrel of monkeys. We're out of monkeys. We're formulating a new plan. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, they're using flashlights to look around, and it's just like, whiskers, we're trying, to, we're trying to have a rescue mission here. Get out of the way. <laughs> and so... You know, Andy takes takes Woody to Pizza Planet. They stop at a gas station, and all of a sudden, Buzz jumps in from the open moonroof because, of course, they left their moonroof open. You know, because how else would they further the plot if they didn't? <laughs> and like one of one of the greatest lines is just like, "Don't worry, vengeance is not a is not a practice we promote on my planet." And he's like, "Oh, cool, great, but we're not on my planet, are we?" <laughs> And then he tackles him out of the car. They start, and the brilliant fight scene between two freaking toys, where <laughs> Buzz punches Woody in the head, and his head squeaks because it's rubber. And then, oh my god, the Buzz, 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 Lightyear! As he's punching the buttons, like it's just so like every aspect of that is just freaking brilliant. And he goes to push him, and he knocks the helmet, the the shield down, it gets stuck on his hand, and then, like, the iconic line of, you are a toy! You aren't the real Buzz Lightyear, you're an action figure, you're a child's plaything! Like, just freaking iconic, and they're two toys yelling at each other! Like, two toys yelling at each other gave us these lines that we, I, at least, still, like, think about every once, like, right. That we shouldn't, like, a 30, I guess, okay, I have a six and eight year old. There's, like, I could pick up my laptop and turn it around. There's freaking toys everywhere. There's always a reason for me to think about this shit. But as, like, a 25 year old, okay, no, I always had toys because I'm a huge nerd. But, like, most people 
that just don't have toys laying around their house. I have no reason to think about this stuff, but it's just like ingrained in our consciousness because of how great it was at the time. Well, and like after watching Toy Story, when we were going somewhere and I wanted to bring a toy and my mom was like, okay, you can leave me one. I'd be like, no, mom, the other one's going to get sad. I've seen like, what happens when it comes to this. We can't have that. Yeah, like I have to bring both my princess barbie and my fairy barbie like they both yes. have to come <laughs> do you want to start a war mom that's not what we need right now we were just we have we're in a time of peace in my room and you're gonna ruin that um so and that's when we first discovered the beautiful pizza planet truck which is in every single pixar movie to this day in some way shape or form the only time and, i've ever found it organically was in coco Yes, because they you know music and it drives by. Yeah, no, every every single movie it drives by at some point, or it's in a painting. In I can't remember which one, but like it's in a painting in one of them. It's probably I up. Think, That's probably where it is. An up. Yeah, in Brave, it's a carving, I think. And there's also Mike and Sully are a carving, um, in the wood carving. Go see Brave if you haven't. That's a fantastic movie, even though it's nothing like any other Pixar movie. It's just freaking great. Um, and then it's so funny, like Woody has the innate reaction to be like, let's get in the trunk. We're going to the place. They can't see us. And Buzz is like, but there's seatbelts in the front. Why wouldn't I want to go somewhere safe and be with the seatbelts? And Woody's just like, that's the dumbest shit I ever heard. Why would you go in the front? Let's get in the back. And of course, the dude has pizza boxes stacked in between him and Buzz and doesn't even notice him. Even though they show Buzz like buckling his seatbelt and tapping, it's like, yep, I'm safe. And then Woody goes flying all over the place because it's like a teenager driving around. And then, oh my God, when they get to Pizza Planet, they realize they need to sneak in. Because first of all, the doorway to Pizza Planet is a sliding like up and down glass door with two gigantic alien sentinels why is Pizza Planet not an actual restaurant at the parks? Because too many people would be terrified to go into it. Like, I saw that and I'm just like, I would get crushed or stabbed. Why is that a thing? I don't like that. Like, it was scary. But yes, no, that absolutely should be. Like, why did they made it at Disney, not like an arcade style place like it was. But I ate at the Pizza Planet and it was like microwave cafeteria pizza. But hey, I paid like, well, my dad paid like $23 for that piece of crap. <laughs> Yes, they absolutely could have done that, should have done that. And there's literally no reason they didn't do that. Probably just because Disney's like, don't care. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> we're going to charge people 23 bucks for microwave pizza in our, in our parks and no one else can take advantage of that. That's something Disney would do. When, when, they, were, uh, when they were fighting under the car, I was watching it last night and I had a thought that I really, really haven't thought before. Woody is obviously very upset and been bothered by Buzz this whole time for all the reasons we've talked about. And Buzz is kind of, you know, he's misguided and arrogant, but he's kind of being the bigger person here where he's like, you're a sad, strange little man and you have my pity. And he walks away. And I'm thinking last night, Woody's kind of the bad guy yes, for most 100%. of this movie. And 100%. that was lost on me when I was younger. Yeah, no, it, exactly. It's like I said in the first place, like, you have this feeling of replacement. You have this like terrified feeling of crap. This person I love, this person I've dedicated my life to is moving on. So you don't do the logical thing. You don't do the rational thing. You just act like an idiot. 
which is what Woody does most of the time. And yes, Woody is, in fact, pretty much a bad guy for a lot of the movie. And again, it's one of those... It's really funny because I'm about to quote a Descendants movie where if you don't have kids, I hope you don't know what the Descendants movies are. They're Disney Channel movies where the main characters are children or grandchildren of Disney villains. And in Descendants 3, because yes, they made three of them, (laughs) um, one of the people who was... Oh, who, it was Sleeping Beauty's granddaughter, who, of course, starts out as a good girl because she's Sleeping Beauty's granddaughter, ends up becoming the bad guy of the movie. And it took Hades from Hercules to save her. And at the end, after he saves her, he's like, oh, so you're going to lock her up like you locked all of us up? And they're like, no, she just lost her way. And Hades just goes, you know, it's funny. When it's one of you, it's just they lost their way. But it's one of us. You lock us up and throw away the key. And you're just like, shit, maybe they are the bad guys because they're just dicks about it. <laughs> like, and that's exactly like, like that's, that's what we put on Woody as we're kids. We're like, oh, he's just sad. So he's acting out. And like, yeah, but when you grow up, you're like, that shit has consequences. And of course, he lives none of them because it's still a kid's movie in the end. You know, it's not going to end up with Woody getting thrown in the garbage for some reason or another. You know, it's still a happy ending. Spoiler alert. Um, but one of my favorite moments also is when they're sneaking into Pizza Planet and um, Woody is in a soda cup with a straw and Buzz is in a burger box like, you know, like McDonald's has, you know, the cardboard things. And they're sneaking in. You see their feet as they're walking and they drop down and they bump into each other and they start like yelling at each other but when they turn around and buzz goes to speak the box moves like it's a mouth and the straw moves when woody talks and i'm just like again something that makes no sense but it's just freaking hilarious in the moment because they could and they did and it makes you appreciate the small things in that movie just so much more i love the sound effects in that scene the squeakiness of the straw yeah like everything was just Oh, so freaking good. And then they the get aliens into pizza. are some of my favorite characters in the movie. Like Yes. The claw, the claw. Yeah. Like they get they get into Pizza Planet and it, and it's exactly like like you said before. It's just like I want to go to there. <laughs> like <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> Cuz every video game is space themed. There's like exploding planet and then there's uh whack-a-mole but it's like aliens with the chest bursters. And then that's when you see Sid is there, because we haven't talked about Sid yet, who's the quote-unquote bad guy of the movie. Even though, let's face it, that uh, that kid had abusive parents, but that's besides the point. you know. So again, he's just acting out in the only way he knows how, because he needs attention. And the only way he can feel that source of control is by taking it out on his toys, which sucks for the toys, but there's a little bit of psychology behind all of it, right? Yeah. The poor combat. Oh, and, then, and then he... Oh, oh combat Carl. Combat Carl. I was going to say, and then he became Derek Carr. <laughs> yes. With shout out to Zach Reed at Tass and Assassin 13, who at one point someone made like cartoon versions of all of like what the quarterbacks look like, but he replaced one of them with Sid from Toy Stories, you know, but they really went weird on Derek Carr because it just, it looks like Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they run away, but uh, Woody and Buzz run away, and they hide in the crane game, which we where we meet those aliens, where again you sort of forget that not every toy doesn't really realize that they're just not a toy, that they're not like a 
plaything of sorts. There's this group of hive-minded aliens that are just like, the claw is our master. The claw decides who will stay and who will go. And then they show up and then you realize it's a claw game where you have, where you go and you go to pick up the freaking toys. And of course, just for the you know meaning of the story, when Sid walks over to the crane game, you see Buzz Lightyear's face sticking out. Like, what are the chances of that happening? But again, um, so now we get to go and see Sid's house because... The biggest fallacy of this entire movie. I will forego toys coming to life. I will forego so much of this story. But the fact that Sid wins a crane game by clasping onto the helmet of a buried <laughs> toy? No. And not to mention with Woody pulling him down to try him to get him to stay down. No. That's you don't win that toy. That toy falls before you can lift the freaking crane. That's yeah, how that if, goes. If he doesn't win the toy, then the story doesn't progress. So. That's not my problem. I need some reality in this movie, and they just ruined it for me. <laughs> That's where he cannot suspend his disbelief. <laughs> that, that is the one place I can't, because I've lost so many crane games. Uh, but so so now on to Nightmare Before Christmas. So now on to Nightmare Before Christmas yet again. <laughs> uh, no, now we'll go on to the Princess Bride. Um, We'll connect it with Wallace Shawn. It's fine. Um, but then we can connect Princess Bride to Nightmare Before Christmas because Chris Sarandon, who was Prince Humperdinck, was the speaking voice of Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. And and the completely aforementioned Danny Elfman of Oingo Boingo fame was the singing voice of Jack Skellington. Man, I pulled this entire show together. I am a professional. Oof. <laughs> Yeah, I, we've brought nothing to the table. I gotta be honest. You guys, are, what are you here for? God, seriously. Going, going back to you know when they go to Sid's house, that part of this movie was always so relatable for me because I was like, I was Sid's little sister, right? Like I, I was, yeah. I had the older brother that stole my Barbies, and he ruined them in various ways, like. And don't get me wrong, when I was like eight years old with my G.I. Joes, they would have done the same shit they did to Sid that they did to me. Because G.I. Joes, at least when we were younger, their their midsection their their torsos were held to their legs with rubber bands. Like you could like stretch them. So of course when you're a kid, you see, ooh, rubber band, I'm gonna twist this until it pops. And you know, you destroy all of your G.I. Joes that way. Um, I did not tie firecrackers to any of my toys at least. But also <laughs> ridiculous reference the carpeting in sid's house is the same carpeting as the hotel in the shining which makes huh. it a little bit more terrifying yeah <laughs> um but yeah so they get there and you see all of like the rock and roll posters on sid's wall and all of the ridiculous toys and i'm like shit that's kind of what my room looks like am i that kid shit no i didn't blow up my toys i didn't blow up my toys i didn't do that um and then you look like not oh my god if my carpet was the shining oh god the the worst nightmares I'd be having. And the worst part is, like, I started talking, well, before we really started talking about Toy Story, I have a friend who lives with us, and she's a twin, like an identical twin. Of course, they are nowhere near the age of the kids in The Shining, but, like, if, God forbid, they stand next, stood next to each other and said, come play with us, Russ, come play with us, I would probably die on the spot. <laughs> I hope she didn't just magically hear me say that. Um, but, yeah, okay, so, yeah, they get into Sid's room, and you see all these ridiculously 
mixed and matched deformed toys and they think they're cannibals and two of the best jokes well two very good jokes because who knows what the best jokes in this this movie is um first of all there's a figure with like barbie sexy legs and a fishing hook and then you're like that's a hooker <laughs> yeah there you go mind blown there it is that's the face yeah. i just got that joke oh my god that's hilarious <laughs> um, and then you know buzz tries to use his his uh his laser i thought i recharged it before i left He's like, you're a toy, you moron. Use your karate chop action. And he starts pressing his back and Buzz, like, unwillingly starts karate chopping. And my favorite part of the entire thing is when he's just like, yeah, nunchuck. And he's, like, making, like, karate noises as he's pressing the button. <laughs> and they run away. And, and, you know, you find out that all the deformed toys were just there to help. Like, you thought they were cannibals and eating the other toys, but they fixed them. They taped them back together and all happy family. Um, and... It was like one of the, you know, Sid is like to further show you that Sid's a terrible kid. He's torturing Woody. Like, where are your rebel friends now? And he has him like a magnifying glass to the sun and burning a hole in him. And then Buzz being the naive idiot he is, you're a brave man. A lesser man would have talked. And you're just like, oh my God, how have you not figured it out by now? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And, And then becomes the unfortunate scene where he does figure out where they're trying to escape. And Buzz walks past the TV of the drunk and passed out father, and it's a Buzz Lightyear commercial. And the ridiculously sad song that's playing while Buzz is standing on a freaking railing with his wings spread out, you know, and it's like, no, can't be true. If I could, I could fly if I wanted to. And I'm just like, no, you can't. Don't do it. No, you can't. Don't do it. No, you can't. And then he jumps and he's just like, I believe I could fly. I could fly. And you're just like, oh, no, he's not flying. And he hits the ground and they show his arm is broken off. But the light, the wings are out and they're still blinking. And you're just like, oh, no. Poor Buzz. And then the sister finds him and you're just like, okay. All right. Where's this going? So, again, some more of my favorite jokes. She <laughs> takes the toy, brings him to her room, dresses him up in like an apron and a little hat. To, to play a tea party um she goes away and buzz is drunk on uh, on fake tea because of course that's what happens and they're playing tea party with a with a couple of headless dolls and he's like you know one day you're a space ranger defending the earth and the next day you're having tea with marie antoinette and her little sisters and the joke marie antoinette was beheaded and there's He's like, Buzz, we got to go. He's like, don't you see the hat? I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> and, and, and then you know, he literally takes his own arm and slaps him in the face with it. He's like, oh, sorry. I don't know what came over me. And he's like, but tell me the hat looked good. At least tell me the hat looked good. It's <laughs> a beautiful point of a breakdown. You're just like, I get it. I was crazy. But please just tell me I looked good while it was happening. You know, like just again, like so weirdly. Buzz over here having an existential crisis. Yes. Like. You're not supposed to be able to identify with toys. <laughs> and the fact that it's in this new style of animation makes it like, again, not lifelike because it's it's computer, but it's a little bit more than you're used to. So it is a little realer than, than it's ever been before. And again, you're not used to having this kind of writing put into cartoons. Like cartoons were very stupid when we were kids, when I was a kid. Like 
don't get me wrong, I love them because, again, we started this all about by saying how easily entertained I am and how much I love puns. But if you go back to the early 90s for shows like Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, Freakazoid, like all of these WB shows and shows that were coming out, it was literally visual and word wordplay. That's all it was. It was puns, wordplay, and slapstick, the dumbest shit ever. And you're like, that's what you're used to. And now, of course, you listen back. There's really very, especially in Animaniacs. Oh, my God. How did they get away with some of that shit? But again, but like, that's really just like putting in sex jokes. But like, this is like intelligent psychology put into a movie, a cartoon movie about toys. And you don't see it coming. And again, it's commonplace now. But back then, you're just like, oh, that's funny. Oh, my God. I get it. Oh, shit. Like Inside Out. Like a modern version of like Inside Out. Like literally... Yeah. The perfect way to teach kids about emotions. Yes. Oh, and I, I love the meme where it's just like, you know, the 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 thinking the think tank on on Pixar. What if toys had emotions? What if monsters had emotions? What if bugs had emotions? What if emotions had emotions? <laughs> <laughs> but don't get I, I love Inside Out. My daughter loves Inside Out, which makes me so happy because that means we get to watch it a lot of the time. But yeah, so back to Toy Story, it's just like the naivety that's still wonderfully there in Buzz and you see it come crashing down. And even as like a 13 year old where you're just entering that angst stage where you're just like, people don't understand me. You know, I don't necessarily know who I am as a human being because now I'm not a child. I'm turning into a grown up. And then you see a toy go through it. It makes you feel a little better. It makes you feel like more seen a little bit where it's just like, all right, I'm going through that. And if they made a toy go through that, that means other people are going through it. So, you know, that makes it a little bit okay. Well, obviously it's okay in the first place, but that makes it very okay. Like everything's all right, man. And, you know, you get the wonderful, wonderful joke when the next day or the, that later that night where Buzz, no, Woody looks across the, because Sid lives next door to Andy. Like they see the other toys from across the way. And it's like, Buzz, the other toys, they see us. They can rescue us. Come, like, just give me a hand. And then Buzz throws his dismembered arm up there. Ha ha, very funny. Uh, that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then Woody pretends to interact with the hand like it's actually Buzz. Come here, best friend. They do a handshake and he rubs his back with the toy like it's something. Yeah, I don't know. Something seems fishy here. What are you talking about? And he holds the arm out and they're like, ah, cannibal. He ate him. Like just so many <laughs> stupid, ridiculous jokes happen. And it's just so freaking funny. And, you know, um, Sid gets his gigantic rocket that he's going to explode. And he was going to um, put Buzz Lightyear into space. And like he puts it like a he's under the crate with a toolbox put on top of it. And silly joke, the tool the toolbox is a Binford tools box toolbox, which if you've never seen Home Improvement, Tim Allen's sitcom before this, Binford Tools is his show. Huh. Um, that was the tools they used. Um stupid joke uh -huh. for you damn kids if you didn't understand it. And so yeah, so you know, other toys think they said Woody still killed Buzz and He's they need to plan their escape because neither of them want to get blown up. Um, and. Oh, man. 
that's when Woody's like, all right, no, we we need to save Buzz. And at that point, he actually says, we need to save my friend. Like, this isn't just, I need to save face anymore. Like, I've connected with this guy. And it's one of those things where it's just like, again, when you look at that older, younger brother relationship or that even, like, new guy in the office or new kid in school where someone's the new shiny thing that took some of your sparkle away, but you realize, no, they're just a person. They're just another toy. And, and you relate to them. You're like, no, I was being dumb. I get it. You're, you know, we're alike. And then Woody hits that too. And he's just like, no, we need to do something. We need to save my friend. We need to do this. And he convinces all the toys to help him out. And he's like, we need to break a few rules to pull this off. And you're just like, oh my God, what are they going to do? This is going to be epic. And the thing is, it did not disappoint. None of, none of what is about to happen disappoints. Um, they pull this wonderful, elaborate plot with all of these ridiculous toys that Sid put together, you know, to be able to distract everyone from the house, to get Hannah, to, his little sister, to open the door, to get everyone outside. And then, you know, uh, Sid was going to explode Woody at that point because he couldn't find Buzz and or he wanted to save Buzz and he hides Buzz. He goes there and then he starts you know, like acting like his poster and he starts talking and he's like, you know, we're watching you, Sid, always watching. And then you get that moment like, fuck, are my toys always watching me? (laughs) Shit. All right. I have to be super cool and not do anything gross in front of them now. All right. Cool. Um, (laughs) And then like they start coming out of the ground, like, like these disfigured toys start lifting out like zombies coming out of the ground. And at the end, you know, we see everything and Woody's head spins around. And then he actually, cause at this point he's still just like a toy. He's not really moving. And at the very end he goes, so play nice. And he actually moves his mouth and you're just like, Oh fuck. That just happened. <laughs> and then sits like, Oh fuck. That just happened. And throws him in the air and starts running away. And they start dancing. And of course, while all this is happening, Andy's moving and it's like, oh, crap, we have to go catch up to Andy. And then so they're running away, running away. And then. Um, oh, man, how does. Uh, they, uh, oh, right. Oh, they catch up to the freaking truck. They sort of uh, Woody catches up to the truck, gets in there, gets to all the toys and. Of course, the toys don't realize that Buzz is alive and well further behind because he caught up. Um, so they throw him off and are, you know, oh, no. What happens first is Woody goes and he finds the RC car and kicks him off. And they're like, he's at it again. Like he's killing another toy. And that's when they throw him out of the truck. And them being chased by Sid's dog was one of the funniest shit ever because first of all it's just like because then you're just picturing what if i'm that asshole driving the car and i just see an rc car with two two toys being on like riding on it through the street what would i think would i think that there's some dude hiding behind his car being awesome or those toys alive (laughs) like you don't know like you're and then at some point you know um Oh my god, I'm blanking on Andy's sister's name, and I feel like a jerk because of it. Um, but Andy's sister, while they're listening to Hakuna Matata, because of course Disney, and you know, looks out the window and starts giggling because she sees toys driving behind them. 
and then Arcee's battery dies, and that's when you know Woody sees the spot of light on his hand through Buzz's helmet, and we we apply lessons we've learned in the past to fix the f- problems of the future. Lights the rocket that's tied to to Buzz, Buzz's back, and one of the greatest lines ever. He's like, "We're gonna do this. We're gonna catch up. We're gonna do this." Wait, I just lit a rocket. Rockets explode, and then all of a sudden they just shoot off. They go flying everywhere. And the beautiful, beautiful, they're flying in the air. Buzz opens his wings. RC lands right in the truck and, of course, just piles through that jerk Mr. Potato Head knocking his pieces all over the place, which you actually, I love that they took the time to actually animate all of his pieces flying to different parts of the truck because if you watch, they really do. Like, they did not easy way out, even though you barely see it happen. Um, And then for a second, they're actually flying. He's like, no, Buzz, we missed the truck. We're not going for the truck. And he actually glides his way. I wish they just, like, went face first in because the fact that they, like, went up and fell back down, like, there's no way Buzz was able to manipulate those physics to be able to land perfectly on the, <laughs> into the car through the moonroof like that, which you can. Back in reality. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, they were driving with that moonroof open. Maybe it was broken. We don't know. Um and then they land in there and, and happily ever after and like the beautiful, beautiful circle of life. Cause we're just talking about Hakuna Matata. The movie ends where it's Christmas and they send the soldiers down to listen to the, you know, toys, the presents being opened and the, the wonderful ironic ending of buzz. Are you worried? What can they possibly get that's worse than you? And then you hear a dog barking and they're just like, they see it, they go that, Oh, face. And you're just like, ah, yeah, nice. And it's just like, that, like, beginning to end that movie is freaking perfect like there's no boring the story is beautiful the characters are beautiful the voice acting literally not a bad voice actor not a moment because there's so many movies that are so well done but there's like even every once in a while there's a couple of lines where you're just like that could or one actor you're just like they could have done better than that they probably owe this person a favor none of that every single like perfectly chosen voice actor for all of this where yeah maybe you would have seen tim allen and not really thought this dude should be an astronaut you know like of course when you stop and think about it, this dude should be an arrogant idiotic ignorant asshole yeah okay no that should be tim allen because that's pretty much what he was on home <laughs> improvement minus the spaceman um like and it's just like and again like we barely talked about slink but like Jim Varney, who kind of disappeared at that point because the Ernest movies had run their course. And then he's just there as like the voice of this like rednecky dog where and he's just like this godly bob out. He was just like, yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. That's how that slinky dog would talk. It was just all everything was done so perfectly of that movie. And it's just like I remember sitting at the end of that movie just like that was fucking wonderful like oh my god like i i went at the time with my best friend and he like we all thought he was gonna grow up to be an artist like in a cartoonist and stuff like that because he was just crazy good back then of course not many people follow that dream and he didn't but um i always it's funny i kept one of his paintings just in case it ever did happen but now it's just a funny story uh but i have a wily e. coyote and roadrunner painting from my friend in like the sixth grade still um and that was a very long time ago for me um but like we just like we stopped like not often do you sit and watch credits but you're just like these people fucking earned it 
and we need to just like soak in what we just sat through and we're just like yeah that was amazing yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah oh like just serious like every every aspect of toy story was just so fucking perfect from the very beginning of you got a friend in me being like the perfect song to the opening of watching this kid just you believe right away that this is his beloved item this is his thing to the very end where you show that he is so happy that both of these toys are back because you see him you know he's sad buzz is gone but he's holding on and he's holding on to his cowboy hat and it's just like no like this is this was my thing my thing is gone this bright bright shiny new toy that i'm obsessed with is gone and that makes me sad but my thing is gone. Like, that's like losing a best friend. Like, that's my person. My person is gone. No, my thing is gone. And, like, that's kind of heartbreaking. And, like, the relief, the joy, the contentment you feel when it's just like, they're here. They've been here the whole time. And you just go, oh. like, that's what that movie did. You walked out of that movie just like, oh. and then you thought about everything you just went through. And then you just, like, the dopamine rush of oh my god i need more and, and clearly there were many many more and pixar kept doing it to us and uh, just like that movie besides being so amazing for what it was and just being amazing for being a movie in general like what that started it sucks that it's just like people that don't appreciate the beatles at this point because they're so far removed that they don't realize that it doesn't matter what music you listen to the person that you're listening to, well, at this point, the person they were influenced by was influenced by the Beatles. It's just the way it was. Like, it doesn't matter if you're listening to country, to hip-hop, it doesn't matter. At some point, someone in the chain of inspiration heard the Beatles and was just like, yeah, this is it. This is the good well, stuff. I mean, explaining why Pixar is still putting Easter eggs in from Toy Story and other movies, right? Like the Pizza Planet truck. Yeah, Pizza Planet truck. I mean, the Luxo Junior Ball is, we just know that from from Toy Story because that was the first time we saw it. That was actually a short before that. Um, Also, I think it was, oh, what always made me laugh when they were selling their house, the the realty company was Virtual Realty. You know, the name of the the realtor company, Virtual Realty instead of Virtual Reality. That always made me giggle. Um, But also, A113 is the license plate of, I can't remember if it's the Pizza Planet truck, the mom's car, or the moving truck. I can't remember what it was. But A113 is in every single Pixar movie because it is the class number that they all met in in, in school for for animation. Wow. Yeah. A lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, lots and yeah. lots and lots. And in Monsters, Inc., which you brought up before, at the very end of the movie where he returns Boo to her room, he scoops <laughs> up all the toys, he picks up Luxo Jr., picks up Jesse, picks up Nemo before Nemo came out. Like, you know, like you said, like Pixar just... And the thing is, like, you see them all, you understand them all, like, right away, just because all of those movies are ingrained in our brains because of that's how good all of them are. Mm-hmm. And it all started with Toy Story. All started with Toy Story. All right, Russ, we'll get you out of here on this. If you were a toy in voice and personality, et cetera, what toy would you be? Wow. 
That is not something I was prepared for. Now I need to like look around to see if uh, what I got laying around. Because again, my my basement is a complete and utter mess of toys. Um, like it's funny. Like what a cartoon. Like it's this is very poorly phrased because he started off as a cartoon character, but like. What a caricatured version Skeletor has turned into from the original Skeletor of He-Man. Like, Skeletor was legitimately just a bad guy. But now, like, he's hilarious in memes and in commercials and, like, <laughs> everything we see him as. Like, that's me. That car- cartoonized version of a bad guy, I think, is me. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't really do anything mean. I say a lot of stupid shit. I talk very fast. My hands move a lot when I talk. And... Again, I'm like, I, I I don't want to say like the version of Mr. Potato Head they portrayed because he really just was kind of a dick. Um, but like that, I, I, I think that's me. Like I'm some silly like Stretch Armstrong villain where because like I do this a lot when I talk, like I move my hands around. So it's like I could picture me just like, you know, stretching around <laughs> like Mr. Fantastic as I as I talk and my voice gets higher and I start talking very more articulately as I start to prove my points and stuff like that. Like I, I think that's me. I am some ridiculous, like neon colored stretch Armstrong bad guy that people don't actually know the name of that bad guy. They're just like, oh, that's that's just Armstrong bad guy. Wow, that made me identify with myself way too much. Thanks for that. (laughs) There you have it. That is the story. And these are the movie's stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow the movie's stories podcast on Twitter at the MOV stories Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcasts at the Stories Pods on Twitter, as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Well, I got this much left, so however many shows this takes, we can keep going because this is my last bottle in the house. The voice actors for this movie sounded like you would imagine the toys sounded, right? Like <laughs> when I looked at Woody, that's exactly what I thought he would sound like. And when you look at Buzz Lightyear, that's exactly how you would think a Buzz Lightyear dog would sound like. It's it's like it was like the cast was awesome. Well, it's really funny because Toy Story came out around the same time Apollo 13 came out and that was Tom Hanks being an astronaut. So like, why wouldn't you just keep Tom Hanks being an astronaut? And then you watch the movie. You're like, that's why. Okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. He's perfect there. He's perfect. That's fine. That's wonderful. (laughs) Who cares about all that cocaine he did and got arrested for it. He's a great voice actor. Let's keep it going. Well, and I also, I want to say, I read somewhere Tom Hanks and Tim Allen actually auditioned for opposite characters. That always happens. And probably, again, just because, you know, Hanks was probably like, all right, let's ride this train. Yeah, like, yeah, I want to say at first Tim was supposed to be Woody and Hanks was supposed to be Buzz and then they switched.
something else that I did because of Toy Story is I wrote my name on the foot of all my toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the wonderful, wonderful memes that were made whenever Andy Dalton would get cut of that guy in Toy Story 2 painting over Woody's foot that had Andy written on it. Um, and I do, I have a pair of Buzz Lightyear Vans because... Um, the shoe company vans made toy story shoes. So I have a pair of buzz Lightyear high tops. And hmm. when you turn them upside down, they have Andy written what looks like in Sharpie underneath with the backwards. I think it's like a backwards end and everything. It's so freaky. Like the stupid shit like that, that I'm sure, I don't know if Pixar details. had anything to do with that, but the details are just so freaking good that it's beautiful. It's like when you look at it, when you look at it in the movie, it looks like it really was like, like right. The because there's the gaps in because he has ridges in his foot and there's there's the gaps in the marker. Like it, it's perfect. It looks exactly like it's just everything they do with that movie was so thought of. And again, it's something we weren't used to for cartoons. Russ, who is your favorite Toy Story character? <sighs> My answer is probably going to be Slink because <laughs> I mean, he's he's just that. I mean, he's what I was. I was always the, I mean, not that Slink was shy, but, you know, I was the shy kid in high school that latched on to the popular kids so I could, like, pretend I was being social and, like, stand on the outside of circles to, like, that's my social energy being put out and I didn't have to do anything. Like, that's what Slinky was. He was just a loyal friend behind the main character. And I feel like that's just kind of what I always was. And everyone That's else fair. was at some point or another was kind of a dick at some point. So it just feels good to say Slink because he was never really mean. I like Rex. Rex never I was. Rex was super funny. Oh, man, I can't believe I didn't go with the neurotic character. That's actually pretty good for me. Like, I didn't go right <laughs> to the anxiety. That, that That's a good step in my direction. I like it. No, but it's one of those awesome things where there's every single character has a pretty distinct character so you know you get to put a little bit of yourself in all of them yeah like i definitely am a surly old man like mr potato head <laughs> um trying to think i mean like i am i pretend to be like a a stuck up big guy like buzz lightyear does even though i never actually mean any of it but it's still just fun to do and i definitely feel the same I mean, if you think about it, like, a lot of Buzz's a lot of Buzz's confidence was kind of like a persona, though. Like it was like a character he was playing because well, it's a character. At least he thought he was. Right. Yeah. He didn't realize that he wasn't that character. And then I definitely understand that feeling of replaceability that Woody ends up feeling. Like so, I definitely get that as well. See, like there's a little bit of everyone that you could just be like, no, no, I get that. This movie's so good. Yeah, and it's also my so... wonderful cop-out answer from actually having to pick one person that I identify with. <laughs> every time, oh. ugh, no. Every, words, slow down. There is the scene in this one where Mr. Potato has pulled his, pulls his lips off and kisses his own ex. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. A lot of... Because, I mean, it's Don Rickles, so it's a lot of that ridiculous sarcasm. And they pretty, they probably, I, I doubt, I don't even know if they wrote for him. They're just like, just be a little bit of a dick here. And it worked every single time. Hey, Russ. So, yeah. Um, you, you're, you're raving about, you know, 
this groundbreaking technology in this film. I'm curious, 25 years later, when we're inundated by movies that, you know, are CG and, you know, 3D rather than 2D, do you have any nostalgia about the 2D animated movies? Oh, 1000%. Like, it's it's refreshing (laughs) when it happens now. Like, it's really funny. Like, I was watching Kung Fu Panda when it came out. And I mean, that was early-ish 2000s. So I guess, I mean, that was still like 15-ish years ago at this point. But there's one point, like in the beginning and, like, and at the end where it just turns into like, I'm sure it's not actually hand-drawn. It's probably still done on computers, but still it's like in that hand-drawn fashion. I'm like, this movie should have just looked like that. That's awesome looking. Like, this is cool. Don't get me wrong. But why not just do that? I mean, it turns out CG is actually a lot cheaper than, than <laughs> drawn animation. And that's why so many kids shows are like that. But 1000%. Like, I love, like, every once in a while, like, throwing in, like, the Jungle Book or Robin Hood, the, source, the Sword in the Stone. Like, where you see the drawing lines, <laughs> like, through the color. Like, that. If that really is because again that that's what there was when i was a kid like you know back in the 80s animation was super shitty you know like the, all those old hanna-barbera cartoons where everyone had a necktie because they realized if they have something that breaks the line on their neck they don't have to actually animate the bodies like they started getting really cheap because they kept making so many cartoons but like when you go a little older it's just like so beautiful and so awesome and so it looks like it took talent <laughs> like not to sound like a dick because it's not like i could draw yogi bear for the life of me but, <laughs> you know these guys are professional animators and they're kind of just taking cheap boys out but absolutely one thousand percent there is a both a nostalgic and, a, and an, a, just a general appreciation for straight up hand-drawn at least hand-drawn looking you know oh there he is is that wally alien that's amazing yeah, it's an alien, but it's he's dressed as Wally. <laughs> By the way, Wally, for how little talking there is in that movie, my kids still love it, and that says something about it. They're like for the first forty-five minutes of that movie, there's no real words. <laughs> that's just ridiculous, and that's how good it is. Um, also, I saw that in the theater, and I saw it midnight showing. You know, not like like a public midnight showing. And at some point, you hear some guy saying. Oh man, I can't believe I met a midnight chunk of Wally. He's like, oh no, he's like, I can't believe I'm like 28 and met a midnight chunk of Wally. I'm like, we're older than you. It's fine, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know, because of course these movies are freaking fantastic. These are not that just was me. Movies. That was me going to see. I was a freshman in college when Frozen came out, and it was just like me and all my college friends and a bunch of like little little girls watching okay. Frozen together. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. I went to the theater by myself to go see Frozen. So it's a bunch of families and little girls and a 30-year-old white dude sitting in the back just like, this movie's so good. Just let it go. Just let it go. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I am that guy. Like, I went and saw Zootopia in the theater. And with it, like, it's funny. It's like there's one friend. I go and see all of these movies with the same guy I saw Wally with in almost every single Pixar movie. And there's a point in Zootopia where just the joke happens. I'm not going to bother going into the story of the joke, but I'm laughing like an asshole, insanely loud, louder than anyone else there. And you can just tell by the silence that fell that there are not many adults in this theater. 
<laughs> it's just like like I'm just like cackling, and everyone's just like, "Why is there some weird old guy laughing?" I'm like, and I'm I'm just like, "Nope, I'm having a good time. I don't care." So yeah, no, absolutely, one thousand percent. I I am that creepy guy that'll just go watch kids' movies. So that that's fine. No judgment. I don't care if you're dead. Take that. First of all, Amy Poehler as Joy might be one of the perfect castings of all time. I'm also a huge Parks and Rec fan. I'm literally like rewatching it for like the eighth or ninth time again now. Just like sh- literally embodies that character. It-, it is pure perfection in that. So she just does it so freaking well. And again, Lewis Black is anger and Bill Hader does such a good job as fear. And again, it's one of those things where it's just like, I get that part of me. I get that part of me. I get that part of me. And then you see where different people have different people standing at the center of their console where it's just like, shit, that's deep. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, who would be the front of mine? Fuck, it wouldn't be Joy. That's not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then they show the bus driver and they're all anger. (laughs) It's like, I get that. (laughs) Favorite song? Uh, I mean, you the got easy answer is you, you've got a friend in me, and that's that's yeah. the real answer because Do you know all the words. I mean, now that you're gonna make me try and think about it, I'm gonna double second guess myself. But if I'm well, you just start going, sing along. But like, there's one point where it gets to, and like, I feel this a lot because, like I said in the very beginning, I don't remember if we were in the middle yeah. of the movie or not. But like, I always said I was that guy that like attached myself to the, you know. This is the main character of the story. I was, you asked me who my favorite character was. And I said Slinky because I'm that best friend. Like to me, even in my own story, I'm not the main character. I'm the guy behind that helps the main character out. That's just how I feel about myself, which might not be great, but that's for me and my therapist to figure out. Um, But like, there's, there's a, a verse in you've got a friend in me where it's like some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am bigger and stronger too but none of them will ever love you the way that I do. And it's just like, yes, yes. That, that is 1000% how I feel. I get it. I'm not always the best. I, you know, I accept my flaws. I know I have them because I have pretty decent sized depression and I'd realized I don't necessarily like myself. So I feel like I have a lot of things going wrong for me, but never fucking question how I feel about you. And the fact that I will do fucking anything, even if I am not the right person for the job, I will fucking do it for you. And it's just like, no, that that I yes, this is my song. This is a song where I get how cheesy it sounds because man, I don't know how Randy Newman ever had a profession before Pixar because his voice does not fit real music. It is literally <laughs> just that cheesy kind of sound and it fits perfectly for what this song is. But it's just like no, yes, that is me. That is who I am. That is and like I hear that line to this day and it's just like I step like I sit back for like I don't step back cuz usually, you know, I'm sitting. But it's just like no, that's it. That that that's 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 me. Like I'm, I I am never the best at anything, but fucking hell, you're my friend. You need me. I'm there, and I will do whatever the hell I can. And, and it's just like, yeah, no, this is a kids' movie about toys, and I, oh my god, the way I just like reacted and identified with a line of a really cheesy sounding song, and you're just like, yeah, no. And, and then you do realize, you know, strange things have happened to me. Like, there's just so many, like. There aren't so many songs, only three or four songs, but it's just like there's a couple of lines in all of them where you're just like, shit. Yeah. No. 
insanely identifiable and I didn't see that coming and now I feel things and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I I plan on demanding my way on more and more in the future. <laughs>